is up, you guys? Good morning. It's so good to be with you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Natalia, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here at E, and that is one of the greatest privileges of my life. Well, I want to share with you a reel that I saw this week, an Insta reel. It will be on the screen. It says, sitting down when you're married to a woman. Ooh, can you feel this? Oh, okay. Has this ever happened to you? Or maybe you were the one who asked for the water? So uh, my husband Brayden sent me this Insta Reel last week, but I had had a busy day and I didn't get to watch all of the reels that day. And so the next day, Brayden got home from work, he got on his cozy clothes, he sat down to paint miniatures, I'm chilling on the couch, and I asked him for water because I couldn't get up. I was, I was busy, I was doing something. <laughs> and he was dead silent. And Brayden is not a dead silent kind of person. Um, and so I, once I realized this, I'm reading my book, I put it down and I look over at him at the table and we lock eyes and he is just staring at me. And then he goes, did you watch the reels that I sent you yesterday? I said, no, I didn't. I'm so sorry. Um, and so he laughed and, um, he, I, and asked me to go watch them. So I watched them, and there were quite a few. It, it was like a day and a half behind. That's a long time in Insta real time. There were a lot. And as I watched the reels, he got me water. And then when he heard me watching this reel, he laughed, I laughed, we laughed, and I apologized. <laughs> <laughs> Life requires perseverance. Marriage requires perseverance. Family and work and school require perseverance. Have any of you seen those millennial life event memes? Here's one that I saw recently I'd like to share with you. Um, yeah, do you relate with that? Millennials, after getting through three major economic crises and a few dozen catastrophic events, all before hitting the age of 35. Amazing. I think um, a lot of us in this room probably feel this way. Uh, man, it's been one once-in-a-lifetime event after another, right? That's what it's felt like. And for many of us at first, this whole experience was pretty intimidating. We had that language of unprecedented times. And then, as major events continued to cross our news feed and the world around us, it just became weird. Like, what is going on? Like, actually, what is happening? And up until the recent conflict in Israel, many of us found ourselves even laughing off these events as the bugs kind of hit the windshield of life, and we said, I don't know, I guess this is just life now. <laughs> and I don't think that most of us mean to be flippant or disrespectful. I think we're just exhausted. Life throws curveball after curveball, and we feel like nothing goes to plan. And then, you know, you add in like a pandemic and pretty much everything since then, and it's left some of us wondering if we will ever catch a break. Or wondering if life is like that quirky Netflix show slash book, a series of unfortunate events. 
Like, is that how it feels? Maybe you found yourself wondering how you're going to make it through this season, through your present hardship, or walking alongside the hardship of your loved ones. The Oxford Dictionary defines perseverance as continuing to try to achieve a particular aim despite difficulties or a delay in achieving success. I want to take a few moments to allow you to consider this question then. When you consider the season ahead, what is the particular aim you seek to achieve? What's your goal? What are you persevering toward? Or maybe crawling or surviving toward? Today we dive into the story of someone 2,000 years ago who was seriously driving in his heels to persevere. And at the end of our time together, I'm going to ask you to change the way you respond to hardship to reframe your self-talk and the way you persevere. Because at the end of the day, in life, we spend the majority of time with ourselves. We're always stuck with ourselves. You know that. The world knows that. The self-help authors know that. The social media influencers know that. So what if we reframe the way that we think about perseverance and our relationship our response to hardship. Philippians is a book in the Bible, but when it was written, it was a letter from Paul. He was an early church leader who formerly had denied Jesus and then had like a life-changing encounter and transformation um, that led to his faith in Jesus. And in Philippians, during this letter that Paul wrote, Paul was actually in prison in Rome in some capacity. And it is called the Philippians because Paul was writing to the people of Philippi in northeastern Greece, aka the Philippians. So Paul had felt this call to serve the people of Philippi, and he founded the faith community there on his second big missionary journey in Acts 16. And then when he arrived there, he had found that people were practicing a variety of religions, worshiping Egyptian gods and many other deities. And so as he authored this letter, and he is imprisoned for his bold religious claims and missionary work, he shared his encouragement and teaching for the people of Philippi. Perhaps it was Paul's past of approving the silencing of religious leaders that led him to waste no time while he was in prison, but instead continue the work and the calling and the path that he was on despite his circumstances. In Philippians 3, Paul writes about the priceless value of knowing Christ and then shifts to an encouragement to persevere. He writes, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, referring to oneness with Christ, but I focus on this one thing, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward to Christ Jesus. He says, I have not achieved it. So the it that Paul is referring to requires us to kind of look back at what Paul was talking about a little earlier in the chapter. And he shares that the it was his spiritual ambition to keep his energy and his interest focused on God and being one with God. Paul is saying that despite all of his efforts to grow close to God throughout his whole life, he has not yet achieved that goal. His encouragement then to Philippians 
to the people of Philippi and to us is to forget what is behind, to strain toward what is ahead, to press on toward the goal, and to stay confident in your calling. So what are we going to do about that? A couple of weeks ago, Carlos shared about the now and not yet dynamic of being human. So Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins and for our freedom, which means that Jesus' freedom is here and now, but he will also return to the earth in his time to finish the work that he started. And I know this is kind of a complex topic, and I bring it up because it shares the essence, it shapes the essence of our human experience. We have hope in Jesus. He has done and will do amazing things. And yet, we experience hardship. We lose loved ones. There is sickness and death and hurting people who do bad things. And yet, in the midst of his very real pain, Paul exhorts us. And the living word of Jesus calls us to forget what is behind, to strain toward what is ahead, and to press on toward the goal, and to stay confident in your calling. Prior to following Jesus, Paul had lived a lifestyle that was shaped by the culture around him and his workplace. He was self-righteous, acting as the voice of what was right. He had authority and credibility and was married to tradition and religious ideologies of the time. And he tried to win the approval of those around him. Classic people pleaser. The irony of reading Paul's story for me is realizing how painfully similar we are. For most of my life, I have been so worried about the opinions of others. My bosses, my friends, my family. Gosh, people I don't even know, I've never met, and maybe never will meet. And in the pursuit of being what other people expected me to be, I lost my sense of self and lost touch with who God really wanted me to be and was making me, is making me to be. The scary thing is that like Paul, the formation of ourselves, our beliefs, our convictions, they're shaped early in life and they're not always shaped by God or in health. In Paul's passionate words, he shares that as he is now being formed by God, for him, that looks like forgetting what is behind. His past achievements, his pleasures, his hardships, his joys. And by forgetting what is behind, he is allowing himself not to be fueled by pride or the past but to be propelled forward by his motivation for what is ahead. He's found a more worthy goal. Paul invites us to persevere by focusing our mind and our plans on what lies ahead, to focus on our goal and on our calling. In the next part of the verse, it says, straining toward what is ahead. And the Greek word dioko is used for straining. Dioko is a prolonged form of the primary verb dio, which means to flee. And so that means that this verse really says to flee toward what is ahead. Just flee, go. (laughs) In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul uses the imagery of a runner on a course. Maybe you've heard this. And they're putting all of their effort toward what is ahead. 
to press on toward the goal. How do we press on, though, when life is filled with so much difficulty? When there is suffering and pain and distractions and expectations from so many directions? In an earlier letter Paul wrote, he observed that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Suffering cultivates the quality of perseverance. The challenge with suffering and this birthing process of perseverance is that it is so hard, so hard, and it's wearying. And most of the time, man, we just want to escape it, avoid it, or at the very least, like, save it for another day. Like, you can just sit there, thanks. I don't want you right now. So here's what I propose. Let's flee slowly. Okay, so I know that's like an oxymoron, and I would like to explain it to you. So we're told that when we experience suffering and hardship and press into it, it will produce perseverance and so many other fruit and good things. But pressing into the pain doesn't mean we have to white-knuckle it. It doesn't mean inundating ourselves with the greatest pain of life. It means riding the waves of pain, of disappointment, of grief, of anger, hurt, avoidance, curiosity, all of the things buoyed atop those waves by Jesus. Like a buoy, the waves will lick up and tap us on our shoulders, but they don't have to drag us under, and we will come back up. So can you take a moment to imagine that? I want to invite you to close your eyes. I don't think it'd be an Italian message if I didn't have you close your eyes. I want to invite you to close your eyes and imagine floating on the water. Waves coming at you, maybe they're gentle, maybe they're rapid. You are bobbing around, observing your feelings and fears and your perception of your worth. How does that feel? You don't have to do anything about it. You can look at it with curiosity. You can ask God what's happening. You can open your eyes. As we experience the hardship of life, we are reminded that the way we feel matters, but that feelings are not truth tellers. They are indicators of how we are emotionally and even physically responding to things. So as we ride the waves of life, we have permission to observe the way we feel and be curious and then bring truth into those feelings. When we're facing the hardships of life, we try to protect ourselves. Our brains and our bodies are amazing at helping us continue on. Paul's encouragement is to persevere, not push away. To invite our brains and our bodies to come back online, to attune ourselves to what Jesus is doing and saying in the midst of everything, whether the path ahead is cloudy or clear. We can even take time to validate our emotions and our response to life, and yet not use them as our compass. 
saying, I can tell that I am anxious about this. I can't even feel a tightness in my chest or in my throat or between my shoulder blades. And I accept that I feel this way. It's okay to feel this way because I'm okay. Validating our own experiences and stories quiets the amygdala and allows us to respond to our feelings. It gives us space to invite Jesus into our healing that frees us to grow forward. When we press on toward the goal, let me tell you, we will encounter the unexpected roadblocks of life. Have you been there? Have you ever had a roadblock? Nobody? It's just me? Okay. We will doubt ourselves on the journey. We will doubt God and our calling, and I believe that this is why Paul couldn't finish his encouragement without reminding us that God has called us to something, to a place. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Earlier in Philippians, Paul actually says that I now realize that all I gained and thought was important was nothing but yesterday's garbage compared to knowing the anointed Jesus, my Lord. For him, I have thrown everything aside. It's nothing but a pile of waste so that I may gain him. When it counts, I want to be found belonging to him not clinging to my own righteousness based on law, but actively relying on the faithfulness of the anointed one. This is true righteousness, supplied by God and acquired by faith. Paul says, my past and your past, they're real. But setting our eyes on the path forward calls us to a different, softer way of living. It requires us to surrender our self-righteousness and self-protective mechanisms. Perseverance is not something that we can succeed at in our own strength. When we try, you know what happens. You've been there. We get burnt out. Maybe we doubt God. Maybe we doubt our family. Maybe we doubt people. Maybe we doubt society. Maybe we lose hope. We have limited capacity. Paul discarded everything else that defined his self-worth, his motivation, and purpose, and discovered that the only way through life, through hardship, and to get to his goals was not going to be on his own accolades. In Paul's statement, he expresses that if anyone could brag about their lives, their accomplishments, titles, societal worth, it would be him. But he considers those things his past, his bragging rights, a pile of waste. Like, that's a really vivid word and imagery. There is no guessing in there, like a pile of garbage. What? Wow. Because Paul has found strength, his true strength and meaning in Jesus. Where do you find your worth? What makes you worthwhile as a human? When you disappoint someone, when you fail at work or at a goal, when you don't perform well, 
when your body does not do what it's supposed to do, when people don't see you the way you want to be seen, how do you feel? How does saying no feel to you? Do you feel okay? Do you feel worthy of love? Do you still feel like you belong? Do you feel like you need to do something to earn it back? Like perseverance and the faith that Paul has adopted, worthiness is cultivated and received, but not earned. Worthiness helps us to accept the imperfect in us. Worthiness firmly grounds us to believe to our core that I am okay no matter what. Do you feel that way? Do you feel okay no matter what? Or are there ways that you feel like could capsize that ship, your ship? And we say, I'm going under. Are there ways like that? We find worthiness in our faith and identity in Jesus. Paul released his confidence in his flesh, and he discovered that he was okay no matter what. This truth gave his spirit perseverance and courage while he was in prison. What would it take to enter into rest, to step into faith and perseverance that we don't have to do on our own? I want to invite the band up. Author Andy Kolber wrote, I believe God's heart for us is outrageously gentle. And yet, I believe he's calling us to more. To be human and to persevere is to be unfinished. And it is okay to be unfinished. Colbert wrote that our lives of now and not yet means that even though all things are made new, they are still in the process of being made new. So let's flee slowly. Let's persevere. Perseverance is not living our lives in the in-betweens. Persevering is more than being happy in the pockets of air that we get in life. It is living on the lines of Jesus' story. It is using the words and the letters and the chapters and the books of the Bible as a pathway as a foundation of praise and freedom toward peace and everlasting joy. Perseverance and embracing our faith is freedom from survival mode. It is trusting that Jesus has a plan and a pathway through your present hardship. Perseverance is unabashedly letting go of our plans our perception, our control, and allowing ourselves to be shaped and formed and cared for and buoyed by Jesus. He's inviting us to take a break of a life of doggy paddling. We can trust the one who created the heavens and the earth and who created you. Let's flee slowly. Usually, we flee from something, right? But imagine if we flee toward something.
if that was our motivation. If as we pass through the troubles of life, we feel them, we see them, we experience them, and we continue with the hope of what is ahead. Instead of trying harder to persevere, consider the idea of trying softer. Andy Kolber wrote, writes that instead of trying so hard to forget, we try softer by becoming engaged, attentive observers of our bodies, our minds, and spirits so that we can give each of those parts what it actually needs to heal. God has more for you. He hasn't left you. He still hears your prayers. So let's flee to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we're just in awe that no matter what we experience in life, the good, the hard, the unexpected, the somewhere in between, that you are good to us, that you have a plan for us, a plan that is abundant and life-giving and full of hope and joy and freedom. Father, we just pray that you would give us encouragement and a gift of faith so that we can persevere through our present hardships, so that we can persevere toward something, toward the future that you are inviting us into. God, we ask that you would give us freedom and humility to cast everything else aside, to focus on the hope that you have given us. God, we just pray that as we enter into this time of worship that you will give us each that sense of freedom and hope, a breath of fresh air, and an excitement.